We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. This episode of Face Connecticut was recorded on Monday, November 20th, 2023. Therefore, it may not include several updates that happened in the Israel-Hamas war in the last week. Nonetheless, good morning and welcome to Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, Light 100.5 WRCH, and 96.5 TIC. Our guest this week is Connecticut U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal. We are going to be talking about issues surrounding the Israel-Hamas war. Good morning, Senator. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start, please, with a summary of the fighting that we have been seeing now for about a month and a half at this point. We've all been watching it. You've been monitoring it. You've even been there. The best way to summarize What's going on in the Middle East right now, I think, is that Israel is fighting to defend itself. It is at war with Hamas, a terrorist organization that launched an absolutely savage slaughter, rape, torture of its people in the southern part of the state, bordering Gaza on October 7th. I visited Israel, but also Egypt and Saudi Arabia shortly after that massacre and before actually the ground invasion began. But a couple of principles are very clear to me. Israel must win this war to dismantle Hamas as a terrorist threat. Its security must be guaranteed. Number two, the rest of the countries in the region want Israel to win this war. They may not say it publicly, but my visits to Saudi Arabia and Egypt confirmed to me that those countries and Jordan and the Gulf states want Hamas to be dismantled because it is a source of conflict and instability in the region. And what they want is economic development and prosperity for their people, which is directly contrary to what Hamas wants in seeking to perpetuate conflict and war murder, brutality against Israel and to destroy the Jewish people. And third, the source of Hamas's strength, in fact, the only reason it exists as a terrorist threat, is Iran. Other proxies in the region, Hezbollah, the Tutis, are also products of Iran, financed, equipped, armed, and trained by Iran. And so there's a common cause here. 
that leads to the conversations and negotiations between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Those talks toward normalization, Saudi Arabia would like to continue. And the reason why Hamas chose this moment to attack Israel is because those normalization talks actually were succeeding. So bottom line, Israel has to continue this war. My hope is, my strong urging to Israel, when I visited with the war cabinet, as well as since then repeatedly have been to minimize civilian casualties, avoid attacks on hospitals where possible, for example, or schools or other civilian facilities, and provide for more humanitarian relief, fuel, food, water, medical supplies, which the people of Gaza, the civilians, the innocent non-combatants need to survive, and their plight is unfortunately increasingly desperate. Israel wants to do the right thing here, I believe, but it needs to do better. And, you know, I'm a friend of Israel. Uh, Support for Israel is my North Star, but sometimes friends have to give hard advice to friends, and Israel has been very receptive to this kind of advice. To what extent should the United States be involved in this situation and in the war between Israel and Hamas? Great question. We should definitely provide the additional $14.3 billion in aid that the president's proposed. I'm also supporting aid for Ukraine, $60 billion. I think we can combine it with Indochina aid to support Taiwan and border security. There's a package here, a bipartisan proposal that is achievable. And I will work toward aid for Israel, which is more interceptors for the Iron Dome, so it can defend itself in that way from the air, more of the munitions that it needs, the 155 shells for its artillery. Those kinds of arms are necessary for Israel to successfully conduct this war. And I went to Israel in a bipartisan group, 10 of us, evenly divided, Republican and Democrat, because support for this kind of aid to Israel is bipartisan. Is there a way to pass this funding at the beginning of next year when we're looking at funding running out in January and other funding running out in February and we're facing again the possibility of another shutdown? Do you think that there's a way to come to a compromise? There is definitely a compromise to be had here. First of all, support for Israel is really at an all-time high in the United States Congress, and it is bipartisan. If there were a vote tomorrow on this package of aid combining Ukraine and Israel, it would pass overwhelmingly by a bipartisan majority in the Senate, I am sure, but also I believe in the House. The challenge is to get there, and the challenge is paramount in the House, whereas you know there's a right-wing fringe, which seems to be very dead set against aid to Ukraine and also is very dead set in favor of some kind of very restrictive border security legislation. So there are some moving parts here. I'm uh, hoping that very definitely we can reach a compromise. I think it's doable. Whenever these situations pop up, such as what we saw and what we're dealing with in Ukraine, There is concern among residents of the United States, Connecticut as well, no exception, 
that? Are we going to have boots on the ground, or is it possible that that could happen? So my question to you, how can we avoid direct conflict? That's a central question here, and the answer is deterrence. Deterrence aimed at Iran to say, don't. Don't. Don't escalate. Don't unleash Hezbollah in the north. As you know, it operates along the Lebanon border and the kinetic exchanges, the artillery, the missiles have been increasing in frequency and severity, but so far they're within the bounds of normal, basically normal range, not internally in either country very deeply. So Hezbollah has not overstepped so far, but the deterrence factor is critical. To say to Iran, don't be stupid. Don't miscalculate. The United States will get involved, maybe not troops on the ground. In fact, my preference is no troops on the ground. That's why we've sent two aircraft carrier groups, major step by the United States in terms of military presence, as well as other military assets, to say not only in rhetoric but also in action to Iran, we mean business here, don't. And in the Congress, I have led a resolution with Senator Graham, Republican of South Carolina, that would say we support the president in deterring Iran from any kind of military involvement to try to create another front to the war. Israel's fighting on the south. Hezbollah may want to do something to create another front on the north to distract, to take away resources, but we want to say to Iran, don't. Now, here's another factor which could involve the United States. Iran's military and some of its proxies have been attacking our bases in Syria and Iraq. Clearly, an escalatory or provocative step. We've responded in kind against some of the IRGC, the uh, Iran Revolutionary Guard bases, and they have so far been very limited, those exchanges. But this region is a tinderbox. The West Bank is very volatile right now. And we need to say to Israel that it needs to do more to contain the violence in the West Bank, especially as it involves settlers against Palestinians, uh, and make sure that our influence is to deter Iran. And by the way, I also think we can strengthen and toughen sanctions against Iran. I've authored a bill with Senator Ernst, Joni Ernst, Republican of Nebraska, I'm sorry, uh, Iowa, who uh, has in mind uh, the same kind of deterrent action that I think can be successful in imposing stronger sanctions, emboldening our Homeland Security Department, as well as the Treasury Department, in the effort to impose sanctions on oil dealing by Iran with other countries like China. That's a source of revenue that it uses then to foster terrorism through its proxies like Hamas. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm Morgan Cunningham. This is Face Connecticut. Our guest is Senator Richard Blumenthal this morning, and we're talking about the large issue that is the war between Israel and Hamas. I do want to say that China recently met with foreign ministers from Saudi Arabia, Egypt, the Palestinian Authority, and Indonesia, Jordan as well. How would you characterize our relationship with all of these countries on this particular issue? That is a very, very difficult but important question. And obviously, China is seeking greater sway in that part of the world. It has tried to mediate a detente between Saudi Arabia and Iran with some success. Saudi Arabia would much prefer our military equipment, our economic relationships. And that's another advantage to our seeking to advance the talks between Saudi Arabia and Israel toward normalizing those relationships because it would be a force for stability and peace in the region against the malign, toxic force of Iran. But I think that our relationship with those countries has to be a source of continuing concern to us. They are, many of them, Muslim countries that is uh, operated or under the uh, predominant influence and governance of uh, regimes that are identified with Muslim religions. And we need to stop Islamophobia in this country, along with anti-Semitism. We need to make sure our relationship are not impacted by religion. We are a country that believes in the separation of church and state. And we have to be objective and impartial and very, very focused on our national security interests, for example, in dealing with Saudi Arabia or the Gulf states or any of those other countries where our vital national interests are at stake. Senator, there are concerns as well about a growing humanitarian crisis in this region, particularly in Gaza, where we have seen hospitals 
that have been attacked. Allegedly, these hospitals have been fronts for Hamas command centers, as Israel is saying. What should our stance be when we see that these hospitals are supposed to be safe havens for people in need of medical care, but at the same time they're being used for military purposes and attacked militarily? How can we give our support to make sure that there is humanitarian aid? You know, the images of children suffering and dying are heartrending, really soul-shattering on both sides. The October 7th massacre, you know, the videos that I saw when I was in Israel that have not even been played because they are so horrific are stomach-turning. The violence that killed 1,400 people took 240 hostages by Hamas, and the attacks on hospitals should be avoided whenever possible. Now there's evidence, and it's, some of it's been disclosed, about the tunnels under those hospitals, about the arms storage, the bunkers, the kinds of command and control posts under the hospitals. There's videos that we've seen But I think that American intelligence, which has independent evidence of those tunnels and arm storage, ought to release more of it. They should be more forthcoming. I've complained repeatedly about overclassifying information the American people deserve to know. I think there's a need for greater transparency by Israeli and American intelligence communities. And the second point is, Israel has a continuing responsibility to avoid civilian casualties and to provide humanitarian relief, food, fuel, water, medical supplies. Those responsibilities, in fact, are heightened in my view because a lot of the population now is in the south of Gaza where Israel itself urged people to flee. So... There's a heightened responsibility here. But we, we need to give that advice with the kind of support that Israel needs as it fights a war to dismantle a terrorist organization that has as its sole, its only mission to destroy Israel, not just wound Israel or set it back, but to destroy it and to annihilate the Jewish people. That is the charter of Hamas. And one of the leaders of Hamas, Gazad Hamad, said just the other day, within the past 10 days or so, Israel can expect a second, a third, a fourth, that's a direct quote, attack like October 7th. They're planning it. They have the capability to do it. They have the intent to execute. And Until Hamas is dismantled as a terrorist threat, Israel has to conduct this war. Urban warfare is difficult, costly, challenging in so many ways, as we know from Mosul and Fallujah and other places in Iraq and Afghanistan where the United States has conducted it. And so I hope Israel learns some lessons from our mistakes in those countries and 
avoid seeking to reoccupy Gaza and to avoid civilian casualties and provide humanitarian relief, and it has a responsibility to do so. Senator Blumenthal, how can the U.S. get involved in the talks to release more hostages? We have been involved very, very closely. I've been in touch with the administration at the very highest levels, our national security staff and White House officials at the very highest level. Uh, We are involved through Qatar, which is an intermediary with Hamas, and the Israelis are participants. Our intelligence services are very much involved, and we are seeking release. When I was in Israel, we met with the hostage families. We met with loved ones. It was one of the most searing, emotional experience I've had, and all 10 of us senators who were there literally wept when we met with them because these loved ones have no idea what's happened to the hostages, none. The Red Cross, the Red Crescent, they've been barred from visiting any of the hostages. We don't know where they are exactly. We don't know even how many or whether any of them are alive. We presume some are alive because Hamas is talking as though they are. But, you know, the point is that this is a crime against humanity to take these hostages, innocent civilians, Israelis, but nationals from all over the world. And uh, my hope is that the United States can continue to play a very constructive and active role. Senator, just in our final few minutes here, I do want to bring up how there has been an increase in hate crimes and hate speech, not just in Connecticut, but across the country. And this situation has certainly fueled a lot of different opinions on this matter, and it has also fueled more of this hate speech that we've seen across the country. And I remember that not too long ago, you were holding a press conference on this matter, and it was interrupted when pro-Palestinian protesters went to demonstrate as you were speaking. And you very calmly and patiently went over, you walked over, and you talked to them, you heard what they were saying, and you spoke with them. But I don't know what it was about. And so my question is, What are they saying? How are you hearing them? And how are you responding? What we discussed on that occasion was their support for the Palestinians, which I understand, their protest, which I respect, as I do any peaceful, nonviolent expression of views. There is a time and place for it, which they're entitled as a First Amendment right to have. And what I object to is hate speech. That is speech that's aimed to vilify individuals, anti-Semitic speech, Islamophobic speech, white supremacist, anti-black speech, which in effect incites violence. Social media has become an incubator, in fact, an accelerant for this hate speech. Elon Musk praised an anti-Semitic, blatantly anti-Semitic incitement as, quote, the actual truth. Uh, He has turned X, formerly known as Twitter, into a cesspool of hate speech and violent incitement. And I urge advertisers to do what IBM and others have done, which is to abandon X in their advertising. 
and to send a message to Elon Musk, to others who would use social media to advance hate speech, that it should have no home. Hate should have no home in Connecticut, no home in the United States, because hate speech leads to hate action, violence against those individuals based simply on their race, their religion, their national background, other factors that make all of us different. We all have those factors. And uh, there should be no place for anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, white supremacist, hate speech on campuses where some of the actions have been deeply scary and repugnant against minorities and some of the violence has been unacceptable. I hope that Americans remember that we all or almost all of us came from someone else. We're a nation of immigrants. We came from someplace else through our ancestors. We're a nation of immigrants. We're a nation of different religions and faiths. We're a nation of different races. That's what makes America great, our diversity. Senator, I really appreciate your time and definitely a difficult topic and one that we could spend more time talking about. Is there anything that you'd like to bring up in our final moments together? I'm very proud to be from Connecticut, which is really a point of stability and tolerance, as we always have been a New England state, at least by comparison to the rest of the country. And I hope people will have passionate views, but at the same time be united around the idea of a two-state solution, a nation for Palestinians and a nation for Israelis. I think that goal, although elusive at times, still is one that makes sense in the Mideast, and it can be part of a path to peace and stability in the region, which the vast majority of Palestinians and the vast majority of Israelis want, and the vast majority of people and states in the region should want as well. Thank you, Senator, for coming by. I appreciate it. Thank you. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.